guys, welcome. This is part three of the coach's conversation between myself, Lucas Boyle, and Brett Furlong. Parts one and two, we focused on kind of our backstory and our experience at Cancun World Championships in 2019. And now we're going to answer some questions that we received from you. Um, sit back and enjoy. Okay, let's let's dive into some questions. Um, your wife, Hannah, how does she feel about dodgeball? And have you ever been to the point where there was too much dodgeball in your life and you recognized that and you had to scale it back for, for the better? Um, my wife is, uh, she's extremely supportive of dodgeball. She will, I mean, she's come to tournaments in Toronto. She would usually come to nationals. Um, she came to Seattle like two years ago. Um, she's extremely supportive. She wants to come. She wants to support me. She wants to support the team. Um, with that all being said, um, I realize that sometimes spending a Saturday in a gym is not her ideal of fun. So, um, I don't make her come. I don't pressure her to come, but I mean, and there are things where it's like, I have these five weekends that I'm going to be out of town. She's like, wow, that's a lot of traveling. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I know that. And then it's like, well, where's the traveling for us to like go um, vacation and whatnot. Um, so there, you do have to strike a balance with it. Sometimes you do have to find a way to say no to a tournament, which I have a hard time doing a lot of the times. Um, especially with the role of being a scout where you're supposed to go to these tournaments and scout them. Um, so it can be tough to like balance that, that life, but um, she's extremely understandable. She likes that I play dodgeball and have like another outlet outside of uh, the mainstream um, and something to do. So, I mean, she's supportive of it, but you do have to find a balance to where your off time and your travel time isn't dedicated to just going to dodgeball and going to tournaments like you have to find a way to like actually go on vacation that doesn't have like a tangent for like a like yeah we can go to Arizona for something but yeah I might play dodgeball on there like you have to go to a place just to go to a place and, and enjoy it so how about yourself uh, and your partner uh, Michaela I definitely have exceeded healthy levels of dodgeball <laughs> commitment, um, including tonight, <laughs> where <laughs> I was supposed to hang out and do dinner, and now we're recording a podcast an hour late. Um, but Michaela is super supportive, and she she probably she has come to see me play dodgeball a few times. I feel like she has rarely seen me play dodgeball and she actually came to the crush and that was the first yes. time that was the first time she had seen me play in years and it was really special having her there. Um so I love it when she comes but she also recognizes that it's kind of like my special place and um wants to let me have that fun and be be that person in that space and She's like, it's kind of weird walking around with you when you're in that space. So uh, she gives me that, just she, she lets me do that thing on my own. Um, but that does mean that the more dodgeball I play, the less time I spend with her. So um, it, I definitely have been trying to cut back um, yeah. on dodgeball nights. Um, that was something I'm always curious about is how significant others uh, deal with dodgeball obsessions. Um, but it sounds like Hannah is awesome. Um, okay, question for you. Tell me about getting old. How, <laughs> you've been playing dodgeball forever. How, <laughs> yeah. how's your body feeling? How much longer are you gonna play? Um, I'm pretty sure I tore my UCL like eight years ago. So, uh, or maybe not that long, maybe like six years ago, but like it no longer hurts to throw. Cause I think I pretty much destroyed everything in my arm. So there's like nothing to hurt. Um, but I mean, it is a challenge. Like when you hit your thirties, like your metabolism takes a dump 
you gain weight, you become slow. And it's like everyone, I mean, I was a person who was like, no, that'll never be me. But yeah, it hits you. It hits you hard when you turn 30. Unless you're like Lou, who, I mean, you're, <laughs> you're skin and bones. Um, but uh, us here in the Midwest, we like to eat. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I mean, it is, it is tough getting old. I mean, you, you, every, every year you're like, am I going to go through this whole thing again? Commit to, th- commit to at least four tournaments a year. Uh, I, I mean, go and travel and play and stay in hotel rooms and, and drive and, I, I mean, live that life. And it's, yeah, you want to do it. But sometimes, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm more and more tempted to say no to a tournament as you get older. Like, I just can't. And it's not because I want to say I physically can't do it. It's, um, it, it's just like, do I want to put myself through it? It's kind of like the the mental challenge. It's more the mental challenge than the physical. Like I could play physically, but do I do I really want to? Uh, certain times, but I, yeah. I always inevitably want to play. But it's just it's tough to get over that hump sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I I get that. And like as you get older, you learn how to relax and have fun and enjoy yeah. life. And and dodgeball is not the only way to find satisfaction anymore and and on the other hand like it's super stressful right like the other team is trying to sabotage you all the time and you're trying to communicate with your teammates and it's stressful and you know things are blown up or not going the way you planned and you're like I chose to do that instead of <laughs> instead of like yeah. going on a nice relaxing trip with my fam- friends and family. Um, so I feel like that's part of getting old is like your priorities shift, right? Like like dodgeball, which for me and you like was this identity forming experience um, and kind of like the core um, for both of us for so long ceases to be like priority number one right like there's there's other things that are more important and that require um precedence um my body has started to break down i noticed that i don't heal as fast as i used to like i used to play soccer i would sprain my ankles all the time and i sprained my ankle this year in the summer and I thought something was super messed up because it took me months to recover, to get fully back. And, and I feel that way about like shoulder injuries and soreness. And I spent most of 2019 recovering from a shoulder injury and rehabbing. And I'm kind of starting to feel normal again, but like it's taken a really long time. And so now when I go out there, like I don't play two nights in a row anymore. Like, I used to play, you know, like as much as I could, but now I really have to pick and choose what nights I can play and like what kinds of dodgeball I want to play. Like in Seattle, we're super fortunate that we have lots of different offerings. And so like, do I want to play casual dodgeball and like welcome people to the dodgeball community or do I want to play against the best competition possible and really push myself? Um, So I'm having to kind of like make those choices and uh, kind of juggling that with like personal life and professional life and uh, yeah i think i think that's like um getting old in dodgeball and certainly there's there's many incredible dodgeballers out there who are older than us and they're laughing at us right now and they're pointing <laughs> their fingers and there's calling us little punks and i mean we, i mean are there that many that are older than 34 <laughs> <laughs> there are i'm sure there's a bunch. I, I know there's a handful but i mean it's I, you know what we are punks and we're very fortunate and um something i want to say i one of one of my dreams is to host like a masters tournament for like 30 and over maybe like a masters co-ed seven inch foam tournament and just <laughs> where we like have a spa day like maybe the second day is it just gonna be like it'll just be in the afternoon it's not a full day tournament yes yeah okay that's it that's it we're gonna do like spa day massage good dinner lots of sleep lots of healthy food options we're it's gonna be like the cushiest tournament i can imagine if you are 
if you're 30 and over out there and that sounds like fun, I need you to message me and we're going to make this happen. I'd be down for that. Okay. Okay. That's, that's perfect. We're going to fly out. I'd fly somewhere for that. (laughs) Uh, We could do, it could be international. We could get old players from all over the world. Let's go back to Cancun. It's great down there. Oh yes. We would definitely do it right this time. Well, we get our Cancun vacation like we deserve. Yes. Okay. Okay. It's happening. Um, okay. We've touched on getting old. Uh, what do you see the future of dodgeball progressing into um, kind of competitively and also kind of recreationally um, within the country and kind of your own community? It's interesting. I, I feel like events like the world championships really dictate a lot of the sport elsewhere. So for the past, whatever, five, 10 years of elite dodgeball, I think elite's been around since 2011, 2010. Um, Mm -hmm. I think whatever's being played at the highest level is kind of what's trickling down into the local communities. And so I think you're gonna start seeing people playing a lot more seven inch foam because that is kind of the the game being played at the highest of level right now. Um, and and as a player who started by playing 8.5 rubber and I switched to 8.25 foam or I started running an 8.25 foam league, um, it's, it's weird to think that like those ball types might go away, but I, I do see that as a reality in, in like 10 years, everyone playing seven inch foam. And I'm definitely inside of a a seven inch foam bubble right now, but (laughs) that's, I don't know. That's, that's maybe the hot take. Maybe that's what the aggregators are going to pull from this podcast. They'd be like, coach Lou says everyone will be playing seven inch foam. Watch out. He's trying to take your foam, your dodgeball away from you. Um, (laughs) That's my, that's my prediction. What about you? Um, I mean, I hope, I think the younger dodgeballers out there who are, um, who have just a few years in the game understand kind of where, um, the sport has come from, um, and they continue to push that. I see, I I mean, in the past few years, like, uh, luckily a lot of the UDC players have been making transition, um. I'd like to see more NCDA players make the transition into Premier, whether that's open 8.5 rubber, or, uh, eight, open 8.5 rubber, cloth, no sting, seven-inch foam. Um, start expanding your horizon. Um, I feel like sometimes people really get set in their ways with what they choose to play, and um, that really only hurts the sport when you play one division or or two divisions with the same ball um, that doesn't help the sport progress by any means. All of us, um, the players who've been playing five, 10 years, um, they see a dodgeball tournament and they sign up for it over, they sign up for it first rather than ask, well, what ball type is it? What, 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 what are we doing here? Like, is it, Oh, it's foam. Screw that. I don't want to play that. Oh, it's uh, it's no sting. Screw that. I don't want to play that. Oh, it's cloth. Screw that. I don't want to play it. Or, oh, it's pinch rubber. Screw that. I don't want to play it. Um, you should play as much dodgeball as you can. Why? Because the more dodgeball you play means the more dodgeball everyone can play. Um, and people who like put themselves in a certain sect, um, I feel like really just hurt the game overall. So, um, I hope. Um, international the a push in international play it will help expand everyone's horizons um, and that'll really just make the game start just booming with uh, with foam and cloth and and, and just the game will expand it, you'll have more opportunities to play rubber dodgeball if you're out there playing foam and cloth it sounds stupid but it it works that's how we got to so many ball types is because everyone just went out and played dodgeball instead of sitting at home playing the only ball type they want to. So um, I see the dodgeball group 
or the dodgeball community expanding with the more dodgeball we play rather than asking what ball type it is or what rule set it is just show up and play the thing um so that's how i see things kind of moving forward is if more people play the more dodgeball there be one of the things that you said that was so important is just more dodgeball like if you're excited about dodgeball like find a way to bring more dodgeball to your region um start a pickup night if you can you know like check in with your local gyms see if anyone has keys to a basketball court like do what you can to start a pickup night and just get people in it doesn't matter what ball you're playing with um the sport is so special it it really it breeds just a a level of integrity that i have seen rarely elsewhere and just the community is is one of a kind and i think just kind of creating entryways into that community is like the best thing that you can do and it and it doesn't matter what rules or what ball or what you're doing um so yeah with with that i think i'm excited about kind of the young players in our game now kind of growing into kind of the veterans and the the leaders of this community and continuing that tradition of welcoming new players um okay let's go on to another question how do you make dodgeball fun to watch in person and on stream or, or video like what mm. what do you think um can be either changed or promoted or um highlighted to make the game more enjoyable to watch so that it can be on so that more people will want to watch it on stream and video other than just watch other than just being like dodgeball fans yeah oh man it's hard it's hard dodgeball is a tough it's a tough sport um in that regard there's just so much happening on the court and it's so challenging um all the commentators who've done commentating over the last few years are really helping push the understanding of the game for viewership and creating um entryways for like new fans um so i think that like commentators pr production value um multiple camera angles that'd be awesome it'd be great i always thought it would be awesome if this is kind of just like a half-baked pipe dream but um if you did like a post-production dodgeball thing where you showed it after the fact if you could mic the huddles like if you <laughs> yeah. could if you could hear the play call before you saw it happening on the court that'd be awesome or um it would it would force teams to like come up with new play calls every tournament because their secrets are being exposed but i think it'd be so cool if if you knew that a double team on the left side was about to happen and you could watch for it um so i think I think little things like that um I think re replays like replays are really handy because it's there's so much to take in live that um you almost need to go back and watch it again um yeah I don't know what do you what do you say Brett what's um I think one of the biggest issues with watching dodgeball is literally watching it um it's the angles that the camera like it's all camera angles to me um a lot of people who set up dodgeball cameras and i mean you watch some of this the dodgeball that is on espn is shot awfully it is a joke dodgeball should have camera angles that show the entire court so that you can take in the entire action um because the game is so fast-paced if you have head on if you have shots that are uh that only show half the court and it's facing the team when they're coming up to throw you see them walking to the line and they throw you don't know who they're throwing at you don't know what that play resulted in um because by the time they switch the camera why they switch the cameras to show the other team maybe someone's already walking off and you're like well how'd that hit him did it hit him in the head did it hit him in the leg did it was it a ricochet did he try and catch it and he dropped it um i think it's helping people understand how the game is played and that's by showing it and people who put up bad camera angles 
do the game no favor whatsoever. Um, and that's something I strive for when I put up a camera at a dodgeball tournament. I say, if I'm watching this, can I take in the whole game? Or am I only taking part of it? Um, so you got to put it up in the corner of a court facing down so that you can see everyone, you can see all the action. That's better than a, a, a camera on at half court showing both sides that it gets, you're looking at two sides of the screen. It's it, you're shifting your head on the screen. It's stupid. I think, I think the best way to promote dodgeball is to just film it correctly. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. Good commentary, um, which the WDBF has some of the best commentators in the game. Um, Terry Thrasher, guys, a stud behind the mic um, with all those matches. Same with Bill Fisher. Alisa uh, uh, has done a great job. Jake Mason has done a great job. Um, I think the commentators they have are great. Um, and just getting, just explaining dodgeball to the masses, help getting strategy out there. And then just, that's just, it's filmed correctly is so important. So um, yeah. that's how I think you can gain more audiences. Um, just filming it correctly, showing people what's going on rather than quick camera angles and dumb camera angles to be specific. Okay, another question for you. What are, what are the mental and physical characteristics that you're looking for in Team USA players? I think when we're trying to scout a team, it, what's important to keep in mind is we're scouting a seven-inch foam team. It's it's easy to cross the lines between like he's a good dodgeball player, but he's really good at eight and a half rubber. He's not that great at seven-inch foam. So um, seven-inch foam is a different game than elite or premier um, eight and a half rubber. So it's it's quickness, it's agility, it's a good throw, it's discipline. A lot of discipline goes into seven-inch foam. Um, with how you counter, how you time throws, how you get up the court, how you get back um, down the court, because it's a lot larger court than U.S. players are used to. Um, so, I mean, you just have to have patience and discipline, I think, is one of the major things. Um, and then ability to execute. Um, a lot of the game is mental and execution, timing things perfectly. A lot of, a lot of what we did at a training camp is just getting our timing down. It's not um, devising stuff. It's everything's already devised and we got into training camp. It's um, doing it on time and when you're told to do it, not waiting, not guessing. If we call a play, the play is called and there's usually a, a time indicator with it so that you know what to do when you're supposed to do it. There's no guessing. We took all that out for you. So um, being patient, being disciplined in your craft, and then executing when you're asked to do it. You don't have to have the best throw or the hardest throw um, to do those things. You just have to understand what you're doing. Um, and that's what we look for in players is players who are just playing it right. Playing, play the hand that you're given. I mean, that's all we ask. Um, we don't expect you to put a ball through the wall in the gym. I mean, that's unreasonable, especially if you can't hit anyone when you do it. Yeah. I think um, the level of talent across the board at the combine is so high that we are not only looking for players who can do it all and play in multiple roles and provide multiple functions on a, on a court, we're also looking for just that mental toughness, that emotional maturity, the desire, the sacrifice to like, to train on your own by yourself all year round. Uh, <laughs> Just mm -hmm. to wake up early, to wake up early, to go to the gym, to go running, to, you know, to stay focused and be ready when the time comes. Like, there's just, it's such a demanding run to the championship, to the tournament. And the tournament itself is such a challenging experience that <clears throat> it's like the guys, I guess, the players who have made it are just selfless, you know, to, to have sacrificed so much to be there and, and have bought into everything about a team. There's, they, yeah. even, even when you win, I mean, it's easy to say this, but like, even when you win, 
I still feel like you don't come out with more than you put in, right? Like it's a losing yeah. proposition the whole way. <laughs> and and the players who are committed, that just means so much. Yeah. I mean, all the time you spent watching films, studying, um, all the money you spend to get there, to put yourself up in a hotel. I mean, financial, I mean, time is money. And everything you put in for it, you come away with maybe a gold medal, maybe a silver, maybe a bronze, maybe a nothing. So it's, um, you're not coming out ahead with this other than kind of like personal fulfillment. Um, and even after all that battling you do and working with some, with other people and all, and all that, um, it can be a rewarding experience, but you have to make it that, um, by how much you put into it. So, um, I don't want to, I don't want to discourage people from, uh, from, uh, from getting involved in team USA, but, it's it's a lot and it can feel really good it can be a relief to to be dominant and be at the top of the sport um but uh don't don't write it off as another tournament it's it's a different kind of fun (laughs) right like like you almost need to be a little bit of a you almost need to be a glutton for punishment right like like you rarely ever come up for air and get get to smile you have a lot of pressure being put on you um so i think it's just that mental toughness that sacrifice um okay uh another question let's let's dig one up what rules do you not like in dodgeball whether it's uh just in general premier wdbf any other local league you might participate in i don't like time i think time time takes away from the overall um, game. Um, Logistically, it's important for event hosts because um, you need to be able to schedule matches and kind of ensure that the event is finishing on time. But I'm, I'm a huge fan of best of knockout matches because I feel like the game ends with action instead of inaction. And yeah, it's a it's an active finish instead of a passive finish. Um, I think people hate the way that basketball games end because of fouling and because the game slows down and, and timeouts and all that stuff. And and I I think like uh, timed dodgeball suffers from some end game issues. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll start with that one. What about you? Any other rules that you dislike? Um, I'm a big uh, hater of the, if you get hit and you don't know that the ball is caught and you walk out, that you can come back in. I feel like that is, uh, I understand the need for getting out in a timely, getting off the court in a timely fashion after you've been hit. But you are not a dead play. You're not a dead player if the ball is still alive. I, I, I just have issue with us um, accommodating people not being uh, observant on the court. Um, yeah, just because you got hit doesn't mean you're out. But just because you got hit isn't a license to walk right off the court and expect leniency from the rules. Because um, no other sport allows. Um, any type of interpretation like that in the rules like you can't strike out and be like oh i thought that was strike two and they're like (laughs) all right well just because you thought it was strike two and you swung and missed like or or, or whatever like no one else allows like for uh kind of absent-mindedness or um belief in something that happened to take precedence over what actually happened so um that that's my biggest gripe uh in in dodgeball is that allowance to come back in when you've willfully walked off when you were a live play i (laughs) i've always wondered who where where those rules came from but i i understand kind of the forgiveness in there but i i get it with you like if you're playing at the highest level you got to have that level of awareness um one another rule that kind of irks me is um in the WDBF format, the 
no blocking when the game is out of hand at the end of a knockout game. Um, I, I just, I feel like it's just like, it's unnecessary, like first and foremost. Um, mm. It has potential for like bad blood, like the team that's winning could take their foot off the pedal and kind of take it easy and goof around. And then the team that's losing, you know, feels insulted or, or you might have an injury in this time of play that doesn't matter at all. So I feel like the no block period at the end of a, a game that's out of hand is uh, unnecessary and kind of pointless. Um, so that's another rule that I don't really like. You got any? Oh, I agree. Um, I probably do. I hate a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will say, like, the the ball shagging rules that uh, – I, I mean, we had several disagreements over this with uh, uh, officiating individuals at, in Cancun about when the um, – when the throw clock should begin and our shaggers efforts to get balls. And, and uh, apparently that's a lot of discretionary items brought to the refs and it's, um, and we have balls going off the court and it's, we're being told by officials that, uh, well, if your, your, your shagger had tried harder to get the ball, they would have got it earlier. I'm like, are you? Don't even tell me that when nets are taped down to the ground and they have to run around the net. And it's like, <laughs> there's a lot of ridiculousness that um, that shaggers should not determine matches. They should not be an effective that 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 who your shaggers are and how fast they get balls into the court um, should not make or break a match. The players should make and break matches and the balls on the court should, but because the ball goes behind the net and we're going to continue the throw clock on your team and you don't have all the balls because a ball is lodged under a net or in a bleacher and it's your shagger isn't trying hard enough to get it that you just keep the clock going is one of the most ridiculous things in sports I've ever heard of. So um, that's where I lie on that issue. I like it. Um, oh, let's see. Oh, someone, someone asked, like, once, once we get over the hill, uh, as far as dodgeball goes, how are we going to, like, taper, taper down? Like, how are we going to ramp down from this kind of crazy <laughs> time of dodgeball in our life? Like, how are we going to kind of ease ourselves into the twilight of our career? Um, well, I think I'm already kind of doing it, <laughs> being uh, extremely honest. Um, I mean, honestly, coaching isn't the same thing as playing, but it still keeps me in the realm of playing or and of, of the sport. Um, it keeps my mind involved in it. I'm thinking about it, uh, involved with people who are playing and, uh, just still being involved. And, and I mean, you can say like, Oh, there's only so many coaching spots on Team USA, but you can be be a coach for a USA Premier Team, be a coach for something else. If if you can't play anymore, um, figure out how to help other people play more effectively, for that matter. I mean, um, several people are starting podcasts. Several people are offering fitness advice. Um, I, I mean, there's plenty of ways to stay in the realm of dodgeball, and I mean, it's. Um, offer to go be a ref at a tournament and just ref a whole tournament. That sounds awful, but I mean, it keeps you in the realm of dodgeball. It keeps you around people who are playing and, and, in, and in the conversation. So um, I think there's a lot of ways to stay involved, <laughs> help run a tournament, run tournaments. Yeah. Um, yeah promote the sport. Those are great. Those are great recommendations. And, and yeah, I feel like, you know, the greatest gift you can give is, welcoming new players into the community um so i think as as i get broken and old i think i'll still be out there you know welcoming new folks to the dodgeball land and finding out how the heck they ended up there and where they came from and and let them know that they have you know they just walked into a big new group of friends <laughs> yeah um, 
Uh, let's see, I've got another question. This is from Richard Sprunger. Uh, he asks, what are some unorthodox strategies that you've seen at the highest levels of the game? Um, I... <laughs> are, are these unorthodox strategies that work? Or <laughs> people who just do weird stuff that were like, yeah, they, don't, they don't work? <laughs> I'll, let me, uh, I'll, take, I'll take this one. I'll take this one. Okay, go for it. I think that uh, I think that Coach Vic and Team Canada are kind of innovators when it comes to dodgeball strategy, and I think we saw them do some things this year that we couldn't believe. We were like, "Wait, rewind the tape! What did we just see?" And and I think that's exciting. I think that's exciting, and I think that um, how how certain things work and how and when to apply them is like is everything right and so learning what your team's abilities are and what the other team's strengths are and how to exploit kind of their preconceived notions of your team um, by trying out different looks and trying things in different situations like i think that that is all very worthwhile and exciting so if you want to look at some unorthodox strategies richard uh, i recommend that you pop in the Team Canada 2019 tape and uh, start taking notes. They're doing some cool stuff out there. Okay, uh, Brett, I have another question for you. <laughs> what, Shoot, maybe. Uh, what are mistakes that most teams are making that they could maybe avoid to like reach higher levels? Ball possession. That's literally, I mean, dodgeball comes down to ball possession. And bad teams don't control it. Like they either give it away at bad times or they have it at bad times and don't execute properly. Um, and most of it's communication. Like we've discussed in most of this podcast, define what your team needs to be doing. Like showing up to the tournament and playing is great if you just want to have fun. But if you want to win, Figure out what your team needs to do. Talk. When you're in a huddle, be like, hey, when we're doing this, you need to be doing this and you need to be doing this. Why? Because it matters. Um, so communication and ball position is what, win dodge, is what win, wins dodgeball matches. Watch all the best teams. What's the common uh, denominator between all of them? They're controlling the balls, they're executing, and they're talking. They have a system in place about what, what to say, when, where, and why. Um, and if you're not doing it, you're probably not a good dodgeball team. Yeah, I, I think that kind of going on that ball control, I think it's like, it's, it's, the, it's right under everyone's nose, right? Like it's the first thing you're told to do as a team, but it's the hardest thing to understand. And I think another way to understand ball control is what is the value of a ball? what what are you budgeting your balls for what when is it worth using a ball how much can you get out of one ball um and yeah. kind of like wrapping your head around those questions in order to create your team chemistry if if you know that you can do x with one ball that means that y is possible uh, with a solo ball throw um, if you can do 2x with a double ball throw, that means that, you know, like it opens the door to certain strategies. It changes the way that your team takes risks and, and doesn't need to risk things. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think ball control is like the, the easiest answer. Uh, another thing I'll say is just is uh, recording your matches. Like that's an easy yeah. way for teams to get better is record your matches. Like I still watch myself and ask like what the hell am I doing out there like like the camera does a great job of kind of making things black and white as far as execution and decision making on the court and until you get good footage of yourself playing top opponents at high level it's really hard to kind of have the insight and perspective needed to kind of make those adjustments to like correct your game and polish out kind of the flaws and get rid of the plays that are just maybe not efficient. 
So, I mean, I'm not even saying keep stats. Like, I think stats is kind of the next step after that. But, like, record your games. Like, record that stuff. Watch that stuff. Know your opponents. Scout your opponents. Know your team's strengths. Um, But, yeah, video. And, uh, yeah, talking to Mr. Video himself, the Task Force YouTube channel is one of my favorite places. We should say, uh, this is a good one. Um, what does a coach do during dodgeball gameplay? Um, I feel, okay. I mean, it really depends on the team, right? Like some yeah. coaches are calling plays. Some coaches are calling every True. play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some, so let's just talk, I'll talk about our experience or my experience and you can kind of talk about yours, but um, I think for us, we're kind of monitoring the game. We're kind of like keeping our thumb on the pulse of things. We're trying to anticipate momentum shifts, um, kind of recognizing players and trends. So noticing maybe that certain players are hot or certain players are not and kind of like looking to make changes. Um, for us, like the week of the tournament, it was kind of like checking in with guys the whole week and like, you know, asking like, you know, what do you need? Like, how do we, how do we get you to your peak? And then during a game, kind of recognizing those moments and putting players in those positions. Um, the time between games is so limited and hard to kind of give big feedback. So I feel like you're in between games uh pep talks is it's kind of it's about either like fueling the fire and having that raising the level of energy or keeping keeping the guys focused and calm and sticking to the same game plan like things might not be working but you want them to hang in there and kind of dig it out um or you know maybe you're demanding more like you know that they can um, do more. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of my answer. What, what about you? What is a coach doing during a game? Um, well, I mean, we, we often kind of like split the responsibilities of a coach because there is a lot to do during, during a game where it's, um, especially in WDBF, where you're playing 40 minute matches, you have more than just like a best two out of three to, 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 to work for so we're um you often are doing kind of roster management um you're preparing the next guys who go in you're looking at who's staying fresh out of the court there's who are going onto the court to get uh to get them caught up to speed about what to look for what the other team's strategizing um i often i'm sitting there a lot of the times scouting the other team i'm watching what they're doing trying to find the patterns um within the madness, uh, trying to pick up any little thing that I can, that we can determine as this is what they're doing, um, or this is what we're exploiting on them. And it's coming down the line and talking to players who are about to go on the court, talking to Lou, um, saying, Hey, every time they're coming up, this guy's throwing or every time this guy like pumps twice, he's throwing on the third time we gotta, we gotta prepare for that. Um, what adjustments can we make to get that figured out? Um, if you have one coach trying to do all that, that's a lot of work. You gotta, you're looking at your notebook, looking at your pad. These people are going, these people are coming out, Dan. I gotta watch these this other team to figure out what they're doing, and I gotta watch my own guys. Um, you're juggling a lot of balls. So if you can help split that load with two coaches, um, it works a lot. And I mean, you're trying to talk to your players who are resting. It, there's so much going on rather than you're running like a seven man team in premier or elite where, I mean, no one's really talking about what the strategies are. You're just trying to like, Oh, we got to hit them. We got to hit them. If you're a coach and WDBF, you got to know your plays. You got to be suggesting things. You got to be recognizing what the other team is doing and how to counter it or beat it. Um, and ex- or exploit it. You got to do all these things. And keep your own guys on a certain level. You got to keep them calm. You got to get them up. You got to, I mean, it's, it's countless things that you're doing. Um, too many to talk. I mean, too many to list almost. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, 
It's a think, game inside the game. I think the answer is playing. I think the short answer is you're doing as much as you can. <laughs> you're trying to do as much as you humanly possibly yeah. can do to make the the product on the court as good as possible. Um, uh, and, and I and I think and I think part of our work, uh, the majority of our work, goes in prior to us even showing up to the venue. It's we hit, we develop a game plan so the guys already know what we're going to try and do before we even get to the venue. So when we get there, when we make an adjustment, it isn't installing a whole new thing that we're trying to do. It's hey, tweak it here, run this play on this side of the court instead of that side of the court, or run it uh, a second later than we typically would. Small stuff like that is different than being like, oh, we got to install a whole new play in the middle of a match. Um, and then we give the players all the tools to make their own calls. We don't want to be calling. I don't want to be calling plays every match. That wastes my time. Why do I want to be yelling in a player's ear who I've already prepared to play the game? It's counterintuitive. I don't want to play it for them. They can play it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, well said. Maybe I'll just, I won't ask this as a question. I'll just kind of say this as a statement that um, I, one of my favorite things is watching film with you uh, because yeah, you do notice the craziest things. Like, like you spotted that this guy pump fakes twice and then throws on the third time or like just the tendencies that you notice are awesome. And, and I, I get so excited when, when I have that intel because then all of a sudden that triggers like a counter response, right? So then I get super excited about identifying that counter response and, and then like communicating that to the team. Like I get super excited about communication and education and, um, and I, I just like, I like the way that kind of we watch tape together and we respond to what we're seeing and we get super jazzed about it. And then we come yeah. up with game plans like from, from it. Like it's, it's just, I don't know, it's super exciting. Like if I could, if I could watch, you know, a match with anybody, I would choose you, Coach Brett. <laughs> well, and vice versa. I know, I know everyone's, uh, Harshing on our vibe is uh, two dudes who get along uh, in dodgeball-related scenarios and um, saying we're married. But, um, <laughs> I mean, it is a true joy just to just sit and watch dodgeball and notice things and pick it apart down to it's like the little itty-bittiest itty things. Like, hey, look at this guy do this. Like, watch him do this. And then watch what he does afterwards. That's when you get him. That's when you get him every time. That's the joy in it. And then when you go out, you explain it to your team and they, you show them the video of what you've noticed that you can identify the pattern. And they're like, wow, that guy does do that every time. And you're like, yep. And then when you go and play them on the court and they do it and you're like, I told you it works. And that's where the trust buys in. They like, Hey, this guy noticed it and it's paying off. Like, Maybe he does know what he's talking about. And you do it enough. You do it enough. And you build that respect up with your players. Um, that's what gives you credit. And that's what we developed in 2018 in L.A. with being like, we watched so much film in 2018 trying to build our, our uh, accreditation with these players that they ended up buying in. And 2019 was so easy because they realized we kind of knew what we were talking about. I mean, who still knows if we do? But... Um, <laughs> Well, I don't want to I, give ourselves too much credit, but uh, <laughs> well, you should uh, you should give you should give yourself the credit because because uh, you've got that gold medal right now, and that is something that you'll have forever. And uh, you know we are gonna we're gonna remember all of these things long after our dodgeball playing careers are over and. Uh, yeah, anyways, I'm 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 super grateful to have been a part of this and uh, I'm glad that we got to have this conversation because 
um, you know, what I thought was going to be a two-hour thing is uh, all of a sudden four hours. <laughs> um, is it really four hours? Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Michaela is not not too happy. Um, but yeah, I feel like we should we should call it there, and uh, we should. I, would you like to Would you like to do any final shout-outs or thank yous to anybody out there in the dodgeball world? Just to the guys on Team USA 2018 and 2019, um, I know a lot of those guys, they sacrificed a lot, put forth a lot of effort, and uh, we all got through that stuff together. Um, came out with a gold medal, and, I mean, it's um, – those guys kind of mean a lot. Uh, Cancun came kind of right in a tough spot for me, but uh, guys got me through it, and it was pretty great just to just to get engulfed in dodgeball again when I'd kind of been absent for it from a little while. But um, just super excited about kind of what's coming up in 2021. Unfortunate that 2020 got canceled, but uh, hopefully 2021 can be an incredible year for uh, dodgeball uh, altogether. So, I I want to give I want to give my shout out as well to the players on both of those teams, the 2018 players for kind of putting it up with us noobs and the 2019 players who just from top to bottom just showed so much dedication and yeah. you know like there will always be that experience that we shared together um and then lastly i wanted to thank all the dodgeball organizers out there um you know all of the things that we talked about were made possible because someone hosted a dodgeball event and I just want to thank everyone out there who's organizing on a local and local level and on national levels and international levels and just thank you, thank you, thank you and keep doing it. Alrighty, so that was part three of the Team USA Men's Coaches uh, Dodgeball Chat. And thank you so much to Lucas uh, Boyle and Brett Furlong for uh, being willing to do this. And huge thank you again to Lucas for being willing to take over and basically just run with the topic. Um, it was really hard for me to kind of remember that I'm supposed to be editing uh, for listening when I was listening to these, but uh, I'm just going to help myself. Uh, content's great, and I really hope that more people continue to do this. Um, and if you notice, the audio is really bad because I'm actually recording from my phone as I'm currently in quarantine. So this is exactly another reason why we need to have more people hosting the Dodgeball Podcast, because for whatever reason, if I can't do it, um, definitely want it to continue. So anyway, um, thank you to everyone for always uh, for listening. Hope everyone is doing well. And um, yeah, have a great uh, rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time.